Welcome to the Everyday Gospel Podcast, conversations with individuals who are living out their callings beyond the four walls of the church and discovering how to embody the gospel of Jesus in their everyday life. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Everyday Gospel Podcast. I'm here with my good friend Sarah Taylor. Sarah, how are you doing today? You know, I am all right, Derek. How are you? Got no complaints. Uh, it's uh, we're still in self quarantine coronavirus season, and it's also raining. So you might hear the sound of raindrops uh, as we are doing this interview today. But it's going to be a good day, and I'm excited. I'm really excited because we get to interview my good friend, Diana Davis. Diana, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. I'm so happy to be here, Derek. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, it is a joy, and I'm excited to interview you and ask you some of these questions. Um, I've known Diana for a few years now. She's, uh, we met because she's married to the owner of the brewery that I work part-time at. But my friendship with Diana like goes way beyond all of that. and. Um, Whenever we sit and have coffee, I feel like we could do that like for five hours and still not have enough time to really like cover all of the bases that we bring up. Um, but I'm really excited um, to interview you today because of your work in mental health. Uh, that's the big thing that um, I, I know that we need to be talking about in general. Mm -hmm. Also, um, specifically as it relates to everyday gospel, um, this is a podcast about everyday ordinary women and men who are living out their calls uh, outside the walls of the church, that somehow the, the occupation that they have intersects with their faith. And so that's, um, that's, that's the, the focus of this conversation. It's why I'm just really excited um, to hear you and sort of hear you share your story. So I, I'm just going to jump right in if that's okay. Um, you want to tell us just about like what you're currently doing now and maybe a little bit about your family and sort of your social location right now? Sure. So um, I, um, as you said, I'm married to Ben and have two boys. Um, they are 10 and 12 now. So they are doing, you know, the at-home virtual school, which is very entertaining. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, every day is the same but different. Um, and then I myself am a mental health counselor and I'm currently seeing clients um, through telehealth, like this sort of platform, but secure and also by phone. 
Um, and so it's been interesting. It's definitely different than meeting with clients in person, but um, I would say that for some clients, it actually seems to to work better for them. So it's it's an interesting time. I think we're we're all learning a lot during this time about changes, some of which may actually stick. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been meeting with my therapist. Uh, online as well since uh we started this uh self-quarantine and uh it I, it took like about two two minutes to kind of get into it and then after that it was just it was almost like we were in the same room together mm-hmm. um but it may have just been that i needed to talk to my therapist and so I, it just all flowed um so so good how long have you been um what what, what title would you give yourself therapist counselor what would be your title So I use the words therapist and counselor interchangeably. You know, the mental health field is a little confusing because there are so many different hats, so many different, you know, um, titles, roles, degrees. Um, uh, Pretty much when you hear counselor, therapist, mental health counselor, social worker, those all refer to more or less the same thing. Social worker is a different degree, different license, but they do very similar work. Cool. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, why therapy? Why mental health? How'd you get there? That's such a good question. I love that question. Um, So I had a bit of a winding road, I would say. And um, it's interesting because I remember as a child, I remember being very anxious about whenever someone would ask me, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I I never knew. And I hated that. It it was a a source of great anxiety for me. And I, I remember I went to Catholic school growing up and there was a nun who told us, if you pray every single night for God to tell you what to be when you grow up, he will. And so I did that. I prayed every single night, God, please, every time an adult would ask me, I got so flustered and I I really didn't know. And I prayed every night and, you know, it didn't, it never really became clear to me. And when I graduated from college, my parents said, you know, why don't you go to law school? Because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And at the time, and I don't know, maybe it's still this way now. At the time, it was, if you don't know what you want to do, go to law school. Um, If you're, you know, graduating from college, and you have the ability to stay in school, because everyone would say, oh, you can do anything you want with a law degree. So I, I did that. Uh, hated it. I, I I tried to drop out. And again, my parents said, no, you've already started staying. So I was very much, you know, I was, I was only 20, 22 when I went. And I was very much still, you know, under my, my parents' influence of what they thought I should do. Um, so I ended up graduating practice law for a couple of years, but it was just not the right field for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I got married and, and had kids, I was, I was, you know, fortunate enough to be able to stay home with them when they were young, um, which was wonderful. Um, but, you know, all throughout that time and, and clearly throughout my whole life, I felt, you know, that I had a calling. I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so then after, you know, having kids, I, um, well, after my first um, son was born, I developed a postpartum anxiety disorder. Um, and never was diagnosed at the time, never got treatment. Um, I just sort of, you know, white knuckled my way through it, Hmm. um, which certainly has effects on the entire family. And, um, 
there were a few other events that happened. My younger son got very sick for a while. My older son um, was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder himself. We, we had a lot going on. And it's not surprising that, um, you know, Ben and I started to really struggle at that time in our marriage. So we, again, um, through the grace of God, found a unbelievable marriage counselor um, who we went to for on and off for a couple years and also did individual counseling with her. A lot of times when you do couples counseling, um, individual issues come up as well. And so um, that experience was really transformative for me. I, um, I just did not anticipate the way that my marriage would change, that my life would change through that. And I think I realized, um, you know, it just became really clear to me that this was my calling and that I wanted to do this for other people. Oh, wow. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Wow. Wow. So you. you talked a little bit about how you went to Catholic school. Um, can you talk more about like, I'm just curious how you came to faith and then how that faith has, like, guided you and intersected with that very twisty turny journey you just talked about. Gotcha. Yeah, that's another really good question. My, I would say that my faith journey has also been twisty and turny. Um, growing up Catholic, it's, um, I, I would say that I got a lot of positives from that, a lot of benefits. I'm very grateful to have grown up in a um, faith. And, you know, I learned a great deal from the wonderful uh, people around me that I grew up with. Having said that, the institution of the Catholic Church, if I'm being honest, left me personally with what I would call some spiritual scars. Um, I definitely moved away from um, from faith when I went to college, which is kind of ironic because I went to a Catholic college. Um, and I think I became very um, disenchanted with uh, the institution at that point. So there was a period there where I didn't really practice any kind of faith. I didn't, you know, go to church. I didn't, um, I didn't practice, but I always felt the pull of that, of what I was missing. You know, I remember a couple times, specifically in law school, just feeling completely lost and overwhelmed and, um, and just unsure of where to turn. And I, mm. and I would just start praying the Our Father, and I would just pray it over and over until I felt a sort of peace. And that was even though I really, you know, what I really wouldn't necessarily have called myself even a Christian at that point. Um, when I, when I had my first son, um, I mentioned that I, you know, had struggled with some um, postpartum anxiety at that time. Somehow I found my way, uh, a friend invited me to go to a um, Bible study for new moms. And it was at a, um, an Episcopalian church in the neighborhood and a wonderful, wonderful woman named Norma Bassford was leading it. And she, I would really say was the person who shepherded me, um, discipled me into an adult faith 
Um, I don't think I found it until that point. And it was her example, just her quiet um, faith and her, her, she just had this wonderful peace about her. And I remember I would sit in Bible study and I would watch her, you know, speak about God. And I felt like for the first time I could see this just glow coming off of her. And I would just stare at her and think it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just think that that was just the glow of, of really a, a very alive faith. And her example was what drew me into a, a personal faith. Wow. Diana, I just got to pause here. Just thank you for being so vulnerable and open with us um, today. It, there's so many things I want to um, kind of like respond to and like ask deeper questions, but most of it is just because you're just being so open to us. And I guess this in a sense, is sort of like what happens in, in therapy. At least that's what seems to happen for me is that um, the sharing back and forth seems to open people up. And is, is that the things that, is that a thing that you really love about your work or, or and I guess the, the bigger question is, what what is it that you personally love as a therapist being in this role and, and being so significant to people, what, what really sort of drives you in that? Yeah. Um, the thing that I love the most about being a therapist, and it's a little hard to put this into words in exactly the right way, but my primary role as a therapist is to love my clients unconditionally. And I know that sounds weird, but it's almost like as a therapist, you get a chance in a very controlled um, environment with good boundaries to demonstrate to a person the perfect parent almost, right? You get to show them because no one has a perfect earthly parent. There's really no such thing. Right. You can't do it for your kids. You didn't get it growing up. Um, you get to demonstrate unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. Um, and they learn to do that for themselves. So mm -hmm. the, the process is very much, um, driven by the client, driven by their needs. What I do is actually pretty minimal. It's, it's really the client that is doing the work. I just get to sort of listen and love them. It's amazing. Wow. Oh, man. Have you, and there's many different ways to ask this question, but have you seen God at work in your work or God move or glory sightings? Like, have you sort of, and have, have you, but then if you have, like, have you sort of experienced uh, the holy as you've been engaged in your work? That is such a big question. And, um, and yes, I would say that I see God, I feel God at work um, in myself. I think, you know, I think, um, we all do as, as people of faith every day. Um, I think that, you know, my work goes so much better when I feel really connected um, to God, when I'm, you know, when I'm taking time to, to connect and to nurture that um, intimate, you know, spiritual relationship within myself. Um, but even when I don't, and I think that's mm -hmm. the amazing thing about um, his grace is that 
you know, I constantly have this feeling as I think a lot of us do that I'm not doing enough and I don't deserve um, God's love. And somehow he still shows up. And I think it's important to be aware of that, um, that even in those times when we don't feel like, okay, I missed my quiet time or I missed my prayer time. It's not what we're doing that's causing his grace. He's just giving it freely. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Everyday Gospel Podcast. We hope you're enjoying it. If you'd like to hear the students' thoughts on this podcast, consider joining us at patreon.com slash ccw and giving it at least the $5 a month level. On Patreon, we provide exclusive content for patrons, including the student discussion portion of the Everyday Gospel Podcast. We hope you'll consider giving, and thank you for listening. who was going through an incredibly difficult family situation. It was really one of the worst um, things you could imagine. I obviously can't give any details for um, privacy reasons, but I had said something to her along the lines of, um, you know, she had said, I don't understand why God's allowing this to happen, which of course is an unanswerable question and and no one has an answer for that. Um, But I had said something along the lines of God won't give you more than you can handle. And, you know, at the time, I honestly thought that 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 was something that was from scripture, and um, I didn't realize that it's really not it's really not quite true. Um, but the next day after that session, I get a um, morning sort of text devotional from a friend. She sends it every morning, first thing when she wakes up, and it literally said, um, you know, basically when people say God won't give you more than you can handle, that's a lie. It's not true. And it went on to tell this story about, believe it or not, a therapist who um, had a client come to them and say, um, I don't understand why this is happening. I thought God won't give me more than I can handle. And the therapist said, are you serious? Like you really think that if that were true, I wouldn't have a job. And Mm. um, of course God gives us more than we can handle. He does that all the time. Right. And so Mm. of course people need help dealing Mm. with these situations that are too much. And um, you know, the, the next week when the client came in, fortunately I was able to repair with her, which is part of therapy. You know, we all make mistakes. We all say stupid things. And mm-hmm. so um, I was able to repair with her and it actually turned into a really great discussion. But I have found that, you know, sometimes I feel like God uses either scriptures that come to me in different ways, or just somebody mentions something, just little things that he uses to sort of redirect me and, and guide me when I have made a mistake, you know? Um, so. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say Diana as a, you know, a communicator, pastor, preacher guy, um, 
it, you know, there are these moments where I'm, I'm, I'm giving a message and I'll literally be like in the middle of the message thinking to myself, what did I just say? Uh, <laughs> um, and yet, you know, I know, I remember uh, there have been many times, even, you know, as a campus minister that I said things and I'm like, I can't believe that that's what I just said. And mm -hmm. somehow that brings a little bit of daylight to my students and it's almost like it's more the human side of us that mm. God is using right and even my own therapist I remember one point she literally said what I'm about to say to you is not theologically correct but I'm just gonna say it mm. and she dropped a phrase to me that brought so much freedom even though in my mind, I'm like, wow. that, no, that can't really be. No, like in my mind, I knew the way that should have been said. But, and I just, I, again, I think it's that exchange that becomes really, really powerful. Um, yeah. And I just, I enjoy, um, I enjoy that definitely in therapy, but also in my ministry, sort of watching how God is working in me and evolving my life mm. and how that then gets used as a as a way of sort of serving others and mm. so i've heard you, you said so much about your life and sort of the things you've come through is that what are you seeing a lot of that is like as you continue to grow and get stronger as a as a person definitely spiritually but even mentally how does that sort of empower your work as a therapist Yes, a hundred percent. You know, I, um, in the, the values inventory or whatever, one of those, you know, online inventories that you take, one of my most important values is learning. So I am always, always continuing to learn just, you know, I cannot live without it. Um, and I do feel that God particularly really recently has been guiding me to sources um, for what I needed in that moment. And it's not always, you know, religious or, or scriptural necessarily, even I mean, in my professional development, um, you know, you, Derek, along with two or, th two or three other people within uh, a couple days time had mentioned Tara Brock to me. Oh, and Tara I, Brock, cool. Oh my gosh. So and good. I, I really, you know, I started following her. I started learning a lot from her. I find that I'm using more and more mindfulness-based interventions with clients. And right mm -hmm. now, I feel like that is um, a lifeline for us as, mm -hmm. as people, as, as practitioners, as, you know, clients. I, I feel like in this very uncertain and anxiety-provoking time, when I sit down to do my personal, you know, meditation practice, which is my self-care, I feel like I need it. It's like I'm hungry for it. Um, yeah. And um, and so, yes, I, I often have, you know, more than one different person suggest a something to read or something to listen to within a short time. And I generally listen to that because I feel like it happens for a reason. Wow. I, Tara Brock lectures me to sleep. I mean, I, she's, she's incredible. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. So I know you like have spent just this like chunk of time talking about how your faith has like played a role in your work and like how it's helped you. And 
some point it really sounded like you were describing like therapy is an opportunity for you to like show God's love to people and like be the hands and feet of Jesus like so literally and that was like really beautiful mm. for me to hear mm. um and I think it's gonna be beautiful for everyone to hear but has there ever been an instance or are there often instances where your faith makes your work more complicated and more difficult Wow. Well, first of all, thank you so much for um, rephrasing that, because that is exactly what I was trying to say, but I don't think I said it quite so eloquently um, as you just said it. So I thank you so much for saying that. That really um, hit me the way you said, you know, therapy is being God's hands and feet and showing love to people. I love that. Um, in terms of if it has made my work more complicated, I can't really think of a specific time that it has. Um, it has guided me, my faith has guided me so much, you know, to this calling and through this calling and, um, and in it, I cannot imagine doing this without my faith. Um, I did have a decision to make when I first, you know, opened my, my practice about whether or not to specifically hold myself out as a, you know, as a Christian counselor. And that was a little bit of a tricky decision for me. I decided not to do that um, after, you know, really praying about it and thinking about it. And my reason for not, even though I, you know, it, it very much is a calling for me and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it without God is that I did not want anyone to feel um, hesitant about coming to work with me based on sort of the way that sometimes people unfortunately see Christians. And I, and I know that's really sad to talk about, but there are, you know, there are many groups of people who have felt judged or excluded. Yeah. No, that's yeah. real. That's yeah. real. Yeah. And that's the, opposite of what therapy is about. So I really didn't want to even bring that into anyone's mind. Um, but I do, you know, as I mentioned, if a client wants to talk about faith, no matter what their faith is, because it's not coming from me, it's coming from them. So I, the, the great thing about therapy is, you know, if someone has, I have a, a, a few clients who are more sort of agnostic and if they want to talk about that, great. If, if they're of another faith and they want to talk about their faith, that's wonderful. It's not mm. about my faith specifically, but I do have that. If they want me to share any of that, I can, and I'm happy to, if it's helpful for them. That's good. Is there, is there anything that you have, have found any misconceptions about mental health professionals that you're like, would love to like try to correct? Like if everybody in the world was listening to you right now, like, what 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 might you say to sort of correct perceptions about mental health professionals? That's a good question. Um, when you say, "Is there anything that you would want to correct?" I feel like my mind goes more to like the things that I would want to change about our field, not necessarily misconceptions that people have, because mm. you know some of the the things, the ideas that people have. Uh, about the field are unfortunately are true. They're not misconceptions. Mm. But um, I think that it gets really confusing for people, as I mentioned earlier, understanding the different roles. And, you know, we have this divide in the field between psychiatry and 
um, psychology and then the, the counselors and the social workers, therapist um, type thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that gets very confusing for people just to understand what you do based on your title. Um, the, um, the other thing that I really would love for people to know about counseling specifically is that we are different from some of those other um, uh, titles because we are we work on a wellness-based model. We do not work on a medical model. Mm. And what that, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and the reason that that's important is, you know, we do diagnose, we can diagnose when it's helpful, but we don't have to diagnose. Um, we, we really treat the whole person and we're not, um, because we're not, you know, medical model, uh, diagnosis-based, illness-based, you don't have to have a, a diagnosis to need to go talk to a counselor. I mean, we are uh, proactive. We are about wanting people to really not just, you know, not suffer, but to thrive and, um, you know, wanting people to, to live their best lives and to be their best selves and, and not to just, you know, to go back to that phrase, not to just white knuckle it through life, you know, just Mm. to real, to really thrive. So, so good. Oh, Diana, this has been, this has been just a rich interview. Um, Just a couple more questions. Uh, There are college age young adults listening to this and more than likely they will be um, listening to this episode who might be considering discerning, maybe hearing God say, I want you to go into mental health what bit of advice would you give them? I think my best advice, if you are interested in the mental health field, um, is to do your own work. Hmm. Um, get you know into counseling if you haven't. Um, start to. Uh, explore some of the mindfulness practices that that we use in working with clients, start to incorporate those into your life. Um, The lifestyle changes um, that we preach, you know, we we have to be able to to practice those in order to experience for ourselves what they they do. So um, yeah, I think a lot of people go into the field before having explored, um, you know, the, the, the issues that we all have just from being human and growing up and yeah. that, that is a mistake. Mm. Wow. Beautiful. So you talk about like mindfulness practices a lot and you've kind of touched on like this kind of weird, unpredictable season we're in. And I feel like we'd be amiss if we didn't address that a little bit before we adjourned. So do you have any like recommendations for, things we can all be doing proactively in this season to like keep our mental health up and like is mindfulness a part of that how does all that you have recommendations that sort of absolutely yeah absolutely that's such a good question and it's so important right now um you know I think everyone is different in terms of what they need right now I think that you know really sort of 
being in tune with yourself and tapping into what do I need in this moment um, is important because, you know, I certainly have things that have been helpful to me personally, but if I sit here and tell you to, you know, stay on a regular sleep schedule and, you know, go exercise every day or do whatever, you know, if, if that is not what you need in this moment, not only will it not be helpful, but it will make you feel um, like you're failing at this season. So I think listening to yourself and to what you need in each in each moment and each day is is really important right now. I also think that you know it requires of us right now to be a little more intentional about meeting um, our our physical, emotional, social, spiritual um, needs. And so you know we spent some time when this started the whole family sort of sitting down and everyone had a piece of paper and we wrote down those categories and you know I said just think for a minute about what do you feel like you need to do in order to keep yourself physically well I mean of course eating good food and um, getting good movement for your body as well as relaxation for your body and sleep all of those things are just good basic uh, practices um, but each person really knows what they need to do in order to accomplish that. Um, you know, the social connection, um, like I said, it's just being more intentional right now. And I think a lot of us have noticed that social media, where it is, where it is often just a fun distraction when we are getting our social needs for connection met, um, right now it almost feels, um, it almost just feels really empty more so than usual because we are, are longing for the connection and the togetherness that we don't have. So I've heard a lot of people say that they're backing off of social media um, for that reason and just going more to texts or calls um, and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so, you know, each of those categories, I think we can all go through and say, say for ourselves what we need. Um, one thing that I will just throw out there as a, as a practice that I'd highly recommend right now is when you first wake up in the morning, and it's funny to say this today with the gray clouds and the rain, but when you first wake up in the morning, if there is any way that you can, if you have a backyard or an outdoor space where you can go outside first thing and get sunlight in through your eyes, that is a huge, even for five minutes, that is a huge um, importance right now because, wow. yeah, it sets, your, it sets your circadian rhythm, your biological clock. It has a lot to do with the different um, hormones that are released throughout the day related to the hormones that regulate stress, hunger, um, tiredness, all of that stuff. And if you can do it before you look at artificial light, like your cell phone, all the better. So mm. that's just, you know, a really simple practice to incorporate right now that I think has a lot of mental health benefits. It's so easy to do. And I heard that from a um, neuroscientist that was explaining, you know, how that works with our, our retina and our um, optic nerve and connected to which parts of the brain. And I don't remember all of that now, mm. but we've been doing that and I found it really helpful. I, I, I'm going to do that as soon as the sun comes back out. Oh, that was so good. Diana, this was such a great interview. Thank you so much for sharing and being open with us. Uh, I just think that um, 
I just think people are going to get a lot out of uh, the stuff that you shared, particularly that last little bit. That gets sunshine <laughs> first thing. Wow, I, I, I'm, I am, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to do that. So, Diana, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah and Derek. I appreciate you guys so much, and I appreciate what you're doing. We we really loved um, your Easter podcast, and we um, are definitely going to be listening to more. I love what you're doing. Thanks Thank so you for much. having me. Thank you. Gospel is a podcast presented by Studio Wesley, the online ministry of Campus to City Wesley Foundation. Special thanks to all our partners, donors, and supporting churches. You can support Campus to City by heading to campustocity.org support or by following us on Patreon. Patreon.